Late nights. Late nights with Trav with Trav and Lowe's. With Trav and Lowe's. Late nights with Trav and Lowe's. The title of this podcast is called The Five Fears That I Have. Ooh. Right? So Can we're I playing them. Huh? Can I guess them? Ooh, that would be interesting. Okay. Let's hear it. Let's hear what you think my fears are. Hmm. Spiders. How uh, are we getting like deep? Are these deep fears that you have? These are real f- fears. These are real fears. Yeah. These are not these are not phobias. These are fears. These are real fears. Mm-hmm. All right. One, the fear that uh, you didn't make an impact on people's lives Ooh. while being here on earth. There you go. Is that one? It's close, yeah. Two. Um, I'm going to let you go. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, fear number one. Okay, so so w- what what my format for the show is I'm going to tell you about a fear that I have yes and I'm going to talk about that fear generally and I'm going to I'm going to like propose a solution that I thought of okay to help me cope with this fear prescriptive I'm going to yeah I'm going to try to bring up a coping mechanism and and like this is going to be really open for you tell me if these fears kind of uh, resonate with you you can like add your own kind of solutions you know that you that you think of it along the way um, but what I'm hoping to do is is touch on some nerve endings that a lot of us share okay as creative people these fears that i have i'm sure are kind of relevant to us all at least i I think okay so fear number one i'm writing these down everyone will think i'm a fraud Ooh. fear number one everyone will think i'm a fraud imposter syndrome yeah i know you're gonna say that word i just i just sit here and let you say Imposter syndrome. Exactly the words I thought. Convergence, you know, bro. You know, <laughs> convergence. <laughs> I don't think we recorded our game. No. Um, okay, so I I don't think that I heard the word imposter syndrome until like maybe like a year or two ago. It, but apparently it's been around for a while. It has. Uh, just for a definition, imposter syndrome is a psychological phenomenon in which people are unable to internalize their accomplishments despite external evidence of their competence. Those with the syndrome remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve the success that they have achieved. Imposter syndrome. It's very, it's very commonplace. This is a fear of yours that you don't believe. The fear is everyone will think I'm a fraud. That you don't think uh, yourself worthy of your accomplishments. Well, imposter syndrome is labeled like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying my fear is. Whether see so it's about everyone will think I'm a fraud. Uh, so it's not about my perception of myself. So what everyone will think. Everyone will think I'm a fraud. I'm gonna sit here and talk about creativity on this podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna like like this to this week, and it's only Wednesday, I have created four pieces of content. Right. Which is a lot for normal normal people. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a lot, I think. Go on. You know why are you why are you fearful of this? Well, uh, because <laughs> because I am because what if I'm telling you right now? What if they think I'm a fraud? Okay, so uh, here let me just give you more insight into imposter syndrome, just because that's kind of where my brain went when I was like, trying to dive into this fear. Okay. So about a month, just to show you how pervasive imposter syndrome air quotes is. About a month before he died, Albert Einstein reportedly confided to a friend saying, the exaggerated esteem in which my life work is held makes me very ill at ease. Mm. I feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntary swindler. (laughs) Involuntary swindler. An involuntary swindler. 
Only a genius would say that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Albert Einstein. This is like the most recent like super genius we have. Actually, Hawking, but... Anyway, so a psychological research was done in the early 1980s, and it estimated that two out of five successful people consider themselves frauds, and other studies found that 70% of all people feel like imposters at one time or another. Mm. Right? Dead or currently do? Uh, at one time or another, 70% of the people. Okay. 70%. It's a lot of people. Of professionals feel like imposters at one point or another. Uh, my solution, my proposed solution of getting over the fear that everyone will think I'm a fraud is to realize that everyone feels like that. Mm. Or at least 70% of them. And to just kind of learn to become okay with it. I don't really have a great solution for imposters. So just relabel it to 30% of people will think I'm a fraud. 30%. Because everybody else knows that. <laughs> you know, an, an interesting thought that I have sometimes about this is that, you know, sometimes I'm sitting in like a meeting and, mm. and I'm looking around the table and everybody has like a doctorate or a master's from Stanford. And I'm like worried, like, what the hell am I doing at this table? <laughs> I, I barely graduated high school. Right. <laughs> Um, and then I, and then I realized that like, you know, everyone at the table feels like that. Mm -hmm. They're all, everybody's like, Oh, I'm in a meeting. I should have my stuff together. (laughs) Like no, nobody is totally competent. Yeah. And maybe some people are, but like even I I doubt that they're anyway. So my dad said something to me Yeah. that helped me with this. I felt like a fraud professionally Mm -hmm. and what helps me are the three things that he's always asked me. And the first thing is like, it's, it's, and, and it's about like, do you really care what people say about you? Right. That's right. Kind of the, Do you really care what people say about you? Right. That's like, that's where this comes from. And the first thing is one, are they feeding you? Like when you come home, are they feeding you? No. What? Are and they feeding th- you? This is when I was in high school. Like, like he would ask me cause I haven't lived with them since high school. Uh huh. He said, are they putting food on your table? Okay. Oh, like your boss. Yeah. Is he paying you? Like, yeah. then he doesn't think you're a fraud. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Like, he must be paying you because he believes in you. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, number two. Uh, number two, uh, do you have a roof over your head? Are they pay- are they putting a roof over your head? Yeah, right. Okay. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Getting it done to, like, these, these are the essentials of life. What more matters? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I imagine the third one, something similar. Yeah, and then the third one, the third one, it was unique to, to what he would say. It's like, is he your mom or your dad? Is he... <laughs> <laughs> no mm, okay <laughs> right and so it's like these are like these checks kind of be like it's cool man it's like there's no no need to worry what people care about yeah so number one of my five fears that i have actually i think i wrote on four okay no it's five uh number one of the five fears that i have is uh everyone will think i'm a fraud okay. number two is i am a fraud and everybody will soon find out <laughs> so not the same but related. <laughs> it's a big fear that I have. I am a fraud and everybody's going to learn about it. And the thing you're going to do is go on your podcast and talk about it. <laughs> in fact, this week I published a video uh, on Monday in which I invited another developer to review my code okay. in front of 50,000 people. 3,000 people actually so far have, have actually watched it in right. three days. So now they know. <laughs> they know. <laughs> There's 3,000 people who know I'm a fraud. So the solution that I have, I mean, this is, this is really loose, okay. but the solution I have is like, yeah, okay, they know. <laughs> now they know. So I don't have to worry about them finding out because they know. <laughs> that already happened. Uh, so just keep on moving. I, I don't know. I don't have anything. It's just The whole imposter syndrome thing, I don't like calling it imposter syndrome. I don't like the, I don't, I think that the, the, the phrase imposter syndrome, it doesn't 
it doesn't encompass what I feel. Mm. What I feel is so much worse <laughs> than than this kind of clinical like yes, seventy percent of people have imposter syndrome at one point or another. Like that's not how I feel. Yeah. Like the guts turning inside my stomach when my anybody like not even like even the secretary walks by <laughs> and I'm like oh oh crap she knows <laughs> like it, I can't no not imposter syndrome this is worse this is worse all right <laughs> let's just move on from that all right general topic number three the number the third fear that I have is that I will run out of ideas impossible but tell me why because <laughs> this is a very real fear for me impossible because I forget what the st- statistic is on um, how every three years or every seven years or something like that. A new, sh- new, new layer of skin. Y- new layer of everything. You're a new person. New cells. Like, complete, every cell is completely replaced every seven years. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're completely new. <laughs> like you're like not what you used to be. Uh, and such it is with ideas. I think ideas are replaced by your own ideas. It's They're brand new. Yeah. And they like... You've, you're a different person, so you have a different different insights. So I don't that, that's interesting. Yeah. I like that. So th- how I was going to continue to describe this fear, just because I wrote it down, I want to read my sentence. <laughs> <laughs> read so this is kind of a new a new one for me, this this fear. And now that I've been sharing my ideas, th- and these ideas that I'm sharing currently are, have been bouncing around in my head for years. Yeah. You know, and I've been, like, developing them, involving them for a while. I sometimes sit down to, like, spit out an idea, and, like, just nothing is there. <laughs> like the well is tapped. Have you ever noticed that like somebody will come into the music scene and they'll just have like a killer debut album? Yeah. It'll just be amazing. Yeah. And then a year later they'll do a second album and it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Now there could be a lot of reasons for that, but here's my theory. Uh, the first album took 13 years to make. Right. Cause they were just playing clubs and bars, refining, refining, refining. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're they finally have the audience. They finally have the platform. You know, yeah. a music label has given them a few million dollars to go on a tour and press a new record, and this is like their chance to to say everything that they've been thinking and dreaming and hoping and 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 just like laboring over for the past you know decade. Yeah. Now that was a success. Next year, what are you going to do? Yeah, now you're now you're on demand. Now, and yet it's creation on demand, mm-hmm. and they have nothing, nothing. They've mm-hmm. expelled everything on that first album. I've seen that, and this is what I think I've seen a, a lot. And so that is a huge fear for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm having like, I, I have a, a, a defined belief set. I'm very strong in my opinions of a few certain things, mm-hmm. and as soon as I've released those ideas out into the ether, what else do I have? That's that's my fear. So a solution, uh, you gave a really good one. Thank okay. you for doing that earlier. Uh, another solution here is from Sean McCabe of Sean West. Mm. Sean suggests, don't worry about repeating yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, not only are you going to have new ideas, say your old ideas again. Yeah, he does it a lot. Too. He does. Mm-hmm. He does. Uh, don't worry about repeating yourself, Sean says. People need to hear things multiple times. At my previous company that I worked at... Um, there's this presentation that was given over and over and over and over again. That was given? It was given, yeah. Uh-huh. It was this idea of like uh, like the business moving forward now in this new year and mm-hmm. a new strategy. And so after a while I asked, why are we giving the same <laughs> presentation? <laughs> We've heard this over and over and over again. Yeah. And um, uh, he says like, 
people need to hear it a lot of times before it resonates and it sinks in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, just to butt in with your anecdote, I think that I heard that usually people make a decision to purchase whatever it, whatever product it was mm-hmm. at the seventh exposure. Yes, that's a, that's like a, a, a marketing. Yeah. So you're so you're a CEO or, or whatever mm-hmm. was giving the same lecture every time. Yeah. You're like, why? And he goes because you need to buy it after seven times yep. or whatever. Yeah. You need to buy it. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Don't worry about it repeating yourself. Yeah, Sean says people need to hear things multiple times. And in addition to that, there are always new people finding yeah, your that's, show. that's the thing is there are new people and they're not going to... They're not going to go through the backlog. No, they're not. Yeah, yeah. And so... You have, you Look have, at all those hearts. Hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> they, they agree with that. Yeah. New people. All right, that's uh, fear number three. I will run out of ideas. And just that one, just I hate it. I hate sitting down and having like... Being like, okay... Like today, I have two podcasts that I have to create. And I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know what to do. And so I wrote my fears. <laughs> so, uh, I I you know what I mean? Like these are, these are like, today I'm dealing with this right now. Hey, great idea. Uh, <laughs> um, fear number four is people will lose interest in what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Mm, I've been feeling that lately. You have been feeling it? I've always been afraid of getting old. And now... I'm afraid of becoming irrelevant, mm. which is even worse. Irrelevancy is a, a fear of mine. Uh-huh. Because my work relies, and your work relies, in being able to have relevant ideas and being able to mold them into something meaningful to people. Yeah. When I'm 40, I still want to be a kick-A designer and be able to make something. Right. And not direct and orchestrate. Right. And that, that, goes, that goes back to not age. That goes back to relevancy. It's not about age. There are 40-year-old kick-ass designers. Yeah. The difference is that they are relevant. Yeah. So my fear is not that I'm getting old. I used to be, when I was young, I used to fear getting old. Old people would scare me. They'd be like, oh, old. And I'd be like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. I'm not afraid of that anymore because I'm just getting old and that's just kind of dealing with it. Yeah. But now I'm afraid of irrelevance. Hmm. What are you doing about it? All right. I have two solutions. Solution one is to realize that my value is not the work that I did yesterday. My entire body of work speaks for itself mm-hmm. as a volume. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like a, like a self-talk, something I can tell myself to be like, calm down, Travis. It's not about what you said yesterday about, you know, whether you're relevant or not. It's about what have you done mm-hmm. over the whole span of, of what you do. And, and number two is to realize that to be relevant, okay, this is the secret of relevancy as I was going through you know, discovery right. here. People only care about your work as long as it benefits themselves. So if you want to be relevant and stay relevant, create things that people care about, create things that help themselves. Mm-hmm. So knowing that you can easily remain relevant just by trying to understand people, having empathy for people and what their concerns are and trying to make things that benefit them. Mm-hmm. Cause you can, if you can do that, and that's not about age, and that's not about style or trends, right? Yep. It's about understanding humans, yep. about empathy. Yep. If you can do that, you will remain relevant. For example, I, I'm now mar- like a, in a marketing team, yeah. and I was on a mobile UI, UX team. Yes. Okay? And being on a marketing team, I'm not working on mobile, so I have a fear of, of losing touch with mobile and its relevancy. And so a solution... Mm-hmm. Um, is that in mobile design, the new 
relevancy is to know how to prototype your static designs mm-hmm. and communicate that to the developers and to the team uh, in such a way that it allows you to sell your ideas yep. and thus push design forward, right? And so a solution to that is, one, understand that's what's happening, mm-hmm. and two, take that time to educate others about it and learn it while you're educating them. Okay. And so, Yeah. So I want to point out here that what you're talking about may seem like a technological trend that you're trying to follow to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. But my argument is that it's not. Okay. What my argument says, Los, you are trying to take stock of what people care about. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, oh, prototyping is really big right now, and therefore I'm going to follow that trend. No. You're, no- you're noticing in our industry, people are concerned with how they communicate with each other. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I know that and I'm able to find solutions to make it happen. Yeah. Whether it's you know, using um, whatever prototyping tool. We'll just say Framer. Framer, right? Mm-hmm. Do I know Framer.js? I don't. But I know that people need to communicate and I have strong ideas on how that can happen. Mm-hmm. And a resourceful person doesn't need a toolkit. They're good with a toolkit and that's fine, mm-hmm. but they will do they will get around it. Yeah. A resourceful person will always get around whatever trend is there. You know, sometimes when I'm looking to, to just like expand my understanding of something, mm-hmm. I'll just throw a random phrase in Google. Uh, today I Googled, people will lose interest in my work. Mm-hmm. It was just, a, I just typed my fear into yeah. Google. And what was interesting, it, the results were interesting, not, a ne- not necessarily a specific article or anything, but all of the results were from the perspective of people being worried about their own interest in their own work. People struggling with their own work ethic. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried I'm not really interested in my work anymore. Should I change jobs? Bunch of Quora posts, bunch of Yahoo answers, stuff like that. Yeah. So when I Googled, people will lose interest in my work. Their <laughs> Google results were individuals were complaining about they are losing interest in their own work, thus supporting the idea that people care about themselves. They don't care about you. Yeah. So if you want people to care about you, you have to care about them by providing help for the things that they care about. Yep. That's the number one design mantra. Empathy for others. Empathy. Mm -hmm. Number five. This is fear number five. It will never be this good again. Mm. The fear I have is that it will never be as good as it is now again. You're, you're riding high right now. What? Like uh, in your career yes. and your accomplishments, you're like, you're, yeah, on, you're like on top we're, of the wave. We're you're happy. Like, you're surfing. Yeah. I'm, like I'm in a great place. Yeah. I have a great job. I am very happy with my, my family life. Some great kids, great wife. I'm happy with our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's never going to be this good again. That's the fear. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, in economics and decision theory, this is called loss aversion. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, loss aversion refers to people's tendency to strongly prefer to avoid losses even more than acquiring gains. Yeah. Right? Most studies suggest that losses are twice as powerful psychologically than gains. Mm-hmm. So if you're at, if you're at, like, just, just to make an illustration, if you're in a casino and you put a bet down, what you're doing there is you're trying to get a gain. Your goal is to get a gain. And maybe you'll put $2 down, but you lose it. Mm. Now, the willpower, the force of will to put down those initial $2, let's say it's X. Mm -hmm. Now, to put down an additional $2 to chase that first two, 
to try to win it back is X minus. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. it's way mm-hmm. easier to chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, losses are twice as powerful psychologically. Mm-hmm. So um, living like this, living like a person who has loss aversion and trying to make choices about your life, having the fear that this will never be this good again is the wrong way to live. Mm-hmm. Okay. Living like this is like driving your car and looking solely in the rearview mirror and be, being concerned with what's behind you. <laughs> right. You can't make good driving decisions. If you're not looking at the road, you're just looking behind you. Yeah. Right. So I need to be informed of what's ahead and I need to make plans for what's ahead. And you can't do that. I can't do that if I'm concerned and I'm trying to grab everything and saying everything needs to stay. I can't lose anything. Mm-hmm. I have to be not afraid of. So anyway, my, <laughs> you're moving forward, man. Moving forward. So the fear is it will never be this good again. My solution. Yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> YOLO. Yeah. hashtag yellow so i mean that's it like there there is no solution to that it it may may never be this good again it's true but i can't live in fear of it no let it come if it comes that realization is the solution to this fear i like that here's a question here's a question that i want to be in the podcast this is was this from the audience this is from the okay audience. this is from our periscope we guys we do periscopes and it's fun and everybody's awesome so uh and and i like this one because this is a fear i have okay uh, let me set some context. I, and I assume uh, the person on Periscope that posted this, love learning, love knowledge, and the act of learning. Uh-huh. Okay? Find a lot of strength in learning. And the fear that he wrote was, I have the fear of not knowing if I'm going to, uh, I have the fear of not being able to grasp all the knowledge that I can. Mm. I had an email this week about this. And that's a, and that's a fear of mine. I get a lot, yeah. this email. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fear of mine is that I love learning and want to be in, and know and be a master of many things. Yeah. Time is limited. Mm-hmm. And the older I get, the fear of aging, right? It's not, for me, it's not the fear of getting old. It's a fear of time slipping away. Yeah. And thus Relevance, not, right? Yep, and thus not using that time. It's like the world is my oyster, right? You can do whatever you want with it. But as you get, as you get older and time becomes yeah. less. Yeah. The world starts to shut your, down. Your options narrow. Yes. As you get older. That's true. <laughs> you, don't have a, you don't have as much time. Yes. <clears throat> so the fear is, define the fear in one sentence. The fear of not grasping new knowledge given time. Do you want me to talk about it? Yeah. Okay. So I got, so I got this email uh, this week and the, the person who wrote the email was like, look, I, this is where I am in my progression and there is so much ahead of me. And I don't know what to do right now. I don't know if I'm ready to go on and I don't know where to go on once I am ready to go on. I don't, I just, I'm paralyzed by not knowing what to do. And I'm also paralyzed by the weight of everything that's in front of me. And my advice was, look, you are ready to go on. That's it. You don't have to wait for an event. There's nothing that's going to, okay. So, um, uh, there's been studies of, of people in bad relationships, abusive relationships, and they're trying to find out when do they get the strength to leave? Right. And they found that a lot of people are waiting for something to happen. Mm. Right. Maybe they, maybe they get hurt more than they used to get hurt. Something really bad. Maybe somebody, maybe they move, somebody gets, dies or, you know, like they're, they're waiting for something to give them permission. They're waiting for some event to like shake them out 
of, 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 of this bad situation they're in. And my advice was that you are ready, but realize that it, it's not an event mm-hmm. that's, that's going to happen. You're not going to wake up one day and say, okay, now I'm learning Ruby on Rails, and the next day you have it. You, there's not an event where you've achieved what you're trying to learn either. You just kind of do it. Do it. You you just kind of go to it, and 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 you you go, you go to it in practical and meaningful ways. Like for example, uh, this gentleman is trying to learn new new coding languages or or expand on his understanding. My advice was, you know, your next project, just identify a new thing that you want to learn and use it, mm. and don't worry about if you're doing it right because the second time you do it, you're going to do it better. Yeah, and just kind of like understanding that up front is going to give you the the confidence that like it's okay if I don't do it 100 percent great. It's okay if, if my code is spaghetti right now because you need to make this code spaghetti first before you can make the code lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. That's with anything. If you want to learn illustration, you just need to get any pen and just make a really horrible drawing. Yeah. Because you can't make. Uh, Tyler says, this is how I feel about sketch right now. Tyler, you can't make a good illustration or layout in sketch without first making a horrible one. You just can't. So you better do the horrible one right now. Let's end this podcast just because it's getting a little long. I want to, I want to read another, um, what are these things called? Review on iTunes. Yep. Okay. Uh, this one's from Joseph Schultz, five stars. Yeah, buddy. It's called binge worthy. (laughs) I love that title. I've been a fan of Travis's YouTube channel, Dev Tips, for a while now, and it was through one of his videos that I first learned of late nights. That's nice. A little entry point there. Yes. Um, in the past, I have always struggled to find podcasts that I enjoyed while simultaneously providing great advice for designers and developers. Late nights has both of those attributes and so much more. Perhaps the best quality of late nights is the duo's alternating host format. Trav hosts one week and Los hosts the other. The format provides an excellent platform for allowing each host to express their own perspectives on navigating through the joys and troubles of living as a professional designer or developer. Many hearts. Many Does that hearts. mean that means he's on the pod, the he's on Periscope? On the Periscope? Because that's a hearts. Many hearts to Trav and Los. Thanks for giving me and other designers your insights and encouragement. This podcast is binge worthy. I like that. Dropping bombs. Binge worthy. So that was from Joseph. Thank you so much, Joseph. Again, we do uh, we re- read all of the reviews uh, on air. If you uh, leave a review, we'll we'll read it. Uh, I appreciate the time and energy it took for you, Joseph, to go in there and like, you know, fill it all out. I know that it's kind of just on your phone or whatever. Apple does not make it easy. They don't make it easy for some reason. That just means only the most, you know, passionate. Yes. Uh, audience members get through. Anyway, uh, this is late nights with Trav and Los. You can find us on, uh, at Trav and Los on Twitter and we engage with you guys. We like to hear what you guys have to say, your feedback about these conversations and to continue the conversation there is awesome for us. And also if you're following us on Twitter, then you get the invitation to the Periscope, which that's is right. where the party is. Um, I think that's all I want to say at Trav and What else? Say hello to your mother for me. <laughs> Yes. Good night, everyone. Good night.